Welcome to High Impact Growth, a podcast from Demagi about the role of technology in creating a world where everyone has access to the services they need to thrive. I'm Amy Vaccaro, Senior Director of Marketing at Demagi and your co-host. Today, we have the first part in a two-part series created in collaboration with Luwala Community Alliance, an incredible organization based in Luwala, Kenya, that's pioneering a community-led health model focused on the parts of Kenya that bear disproportionate burdens of health challenges. If you haven't heard of Luwala, I hope you'll check them out after listening. In part one today, my co-host and Demagi CEO and co-founder, Jonathan Jackson, interviews Luwala's co-CEO, Julius Mubeya, to learn more about this incredible organization and his background. Julius, thanks so much for joining us today and pleasure to get to chat with you. I wanted to start for our listeners just to hear a bit about your personal story and how you came to co-found Luwala. Thanks, Jonathan. Also to correct the fact that I'm not really a co-founder, I'm co-CEO, and that we have our founders, Fred and Milton, who founded the organization with their community in Luwala. That said, like you've heard, I am Julius Mbea. I was born in Southwest, in Western Kenya, which is not very far from Luala. We, the area in which Luala operates is the same social group that I come from. And some of the issues that Luala tries to address are the same issues that I experienced growing up, you know, like losing brothers and sisters to HIV pandemic. And seeing my older brothers and their, their, my sisters-in-law, you know, lose children at infancy, seeing my elder sister get pregnant in grade six, those were disheartening things. But, you know, as a child, you live with them. You really do not know for certain if something can be done about them or it's just the order of life. And so... I went on to study political science at the University of Nairobi and a master's in SIM, and then really started engaging in the development sector. Really, my first formal job was running health clinics in urban in- informal settlements of Nairobi in Kibera and Korogosha, which are two large slums in Nairobi. The whole idea was, can we offer quality, affordable healthcare that these communities in the informal settlements could pay for. And um, even if it wasn't to generate any income, but can it meet the cost of medicines? Can it meet the cost of salaries for nurses? And really offer basic care. The person we were working with at that point was some Australian doctor who had spent years in rural Tanzania trying to, you know, support communities there and the family believe that it's possible to provide some dignified care at, at a very small cost. Anyhow, I went on to work or spend time in international development where I went on to work for the UN development program, supporting other organizations here in Kenya, and then to Achenay, Denmark, in Tanzania where my role again was capacity support to other organizations. Now, this is where I came to meet up Luala and I made the the decision to come to Luala based on really the first things that I talked about, that here was an organization really from my backyard, I didn't know, doing amazing work in addressing issues that I saw or the issues I confronted growing up and doing something about it. 
And it was really a great opportunity to be able to bring back what I had learned over time to the community that really invested so much in me. And yeah, that's how I got to Luala about seven years ago. Wonderful. And can you speak to now, you've been there for seven years. Obviously, the organization is doing an amazing amount of work and breadth of work. But what were the elements that really drew you to it initially? The two things that really made me sign up. One was, you know, our founder story. Really compelling that two young people saw a problem and decided to do something about it everywhere. I mean, we face challenges in life, in our private spaces, in public, but very few people take the step to say, hey, this cannot go on like this. We need to do something about it. And I think to see that come from people who are younger than me was really challenging and and inspiring at the same time. And then secondly, also that the organization had already started seeing something happen in terms of transforming lives. And there was a desire to do this at a larger scale. And so coming in to actualize that growth strategy and to see what the organization can do more broadly. So can you tell us just a bit about what, what Luala's total areas of work are today? Yeah, Luala broadly works with communities to address the health challenges that they face. And we do this through a model that we call the community-led health model, which is essentially building community committees or working with committees. The idea that self-organizing can actually provide solutions to challenges. And so for that, we work with committees in the health system, such as the community health committees and health facility management committees. And these are structures that already exist and in our health system that then we empower and make functional so that they can play their accountability role, but also address issues that they face as community themselves. The second bit of the pillar is professionalized community health workers. And the unique identifies that Luala incorporates traditional birth attendants into government CH or community health volunteer cadres. And then we train them, we equip them with tools to deliver services, with digital tools to be able to aid what they do. And this is why it's important talking about this because this, this podcast really is about how technology enables the work that community health workers are able to do and the work that we've done with Dimagi to that effect. So professionalization equipping, digitizing, paying, supervising, and deploying community health workers to be able to offer services in their homes. And for those who are coming into um, contact with the idea of community health workers are new, these are lay health people. It's your neighbor, your auntie, your mom, but people who have actually given of themselves with basic training to be able to support families in their own health. So they identify pregnant women early by offering pregnant pregnancy tests. Then they refer these women to health clinics so that they can start their antenatal care journey. They ensure that they deliver to health clinic. And when the baby is born, then they follow up with this mother and baby in our program that goes on up until five years when then we know that that child has been set in a good foundation to grow. The third component of our pillar is work at health facilities. 
And, uh, and so we partner, there is the Luala Hospital, but we also partner with the Ministry of Health in Kenya to build quality in primary healthcare facilities. And this is done with the idea that as community health workers generate demand at community level, when patients go to the health clinic, they should get the quality of care that they were promised. So how do we train providers, address provider up, uh, attitudes to make them more amenable and friendly to clients? How do we ensure that commodities are available? How do we ensure that these health facilities are well governed and doing the work that they're supposed to do? And then the fourth and the last component of the community-led health model is data, which is essentially wanting to generate evidence that goes on to demonstrate the impact that we are creating. And that data is gathered through methods like community health worker mobile phone technology, which enables them to be able to collect data from the household level. We combine that with other data sets like in the health information system, the Kenya National Health Information System, HIS, or VHS2 as it's well known elsewhere, and then other researchers so that we can at any time be able to communicate our evidence from a data-informed perspective. So those are those that's what we do but on a practical basis. Therefore, it is working on issues of maternal and child health, ensuring that the women are not dying or we are reducing maternal mortalities, we are reducing child and underfight mortality and all other interrelated factors that contribute like to underfights and maternal deaths, such as adolescent and youth issues, such as teen pregnancy. So maternal and child health being the main focus. That's wonderful to hear the breadth of work that Luwala is doing and the, those pillars to your strategy. And I know we've worked together for years with Comcare supporting the community health workers, and we'll hear from several of the Wallas as well. But you mentioned so much amazing work and the community-led model. How do you work with the government and those committees that you mentioned to figure out the right areas to focus on in terms of you know health programming or the priority areas? Because as you, as you mentioned, there's a lot to focus on, a lot to support, and you're one of the few organizations that, that we partner with, and I think that exists, that focus both on community healthcare workers and facilities and hospitals. So, you know, having that full vertical health system approach where you really can target just such a huge breadth of health programming, how do you work with the communities to choose where to focus? Yeah, I think number one is that to note that our communities are where we are working is already very underprivileged part of the country. This is a section of the country that bears disproportionate burden of under five and maternal mortality and uh, exacerbated mainly also by the predominance of HIV AIDS, that this is the region that was worst hit and still accounts for a lot of HIV related deaths or or cases because for the counties that we focus on, we almost three times the national average in HIV infection. So the burden of HIV is still really big. And with that, then other components, if you look at counties that contribute to the most maternal deaths in Kenya, Migori is one of those counties, 15 counties accounting for 80% of maternal deaths in Kenya. So 
the area is already underprivileged and in terms of the health indicators, they're not doing very great in a number of health indicators. So that given, therefore, our role and our work as Luala, we've determined that the work that we do will only go to scale if we work with government. That's why, for example, on matters of quality improvement or uh, health back at the health facilities, we learned what we were able to do at the Luala Hospital. But we are also very aware that as an organization, we cannot run several other similar hospitals. But then how can we use Luala Hospital as a place to learn from, as a place to test new ideas, test new technologies? And I will be talking about some of the technologies that we have tested in Luala. Then use those successes to be able to inform what is happening in the health system. When it comes to the community health piece, it's very we grow with the government infrastructure. We know that there are community health volunteers in various forms across the country. They are not properly organized. They are not trained. They are not equipped. Our role is to take that infrastructure, professionalize it, and then deploy it, then see what it can be able to do. And that is where technology then becomes very important. Then in our work, for example, what we're doing with home care, we are able to do individualized tracking of beneficiaries or of the clients that we are seeing. And that longitudinal tracking allows us to be able to see if changes are actually happening at a different family level. So we look at data. Number one, we are already in a dis disadvantaged region, but also within that, then we look at the data. Our intention is to make the entire Migori County a model county. So the 1.1 million people. So it's not even choosing where, but really how do we go deep and broad enough to be able to serve these 1.1 million people. Then for additional counties in Kenya, the things that have helped us or we are looking at, we're looking at maternal deaths across those counties. We are looking at under five mortality rates in those counties. And then that gives us a pattern that we, so. Like I said earlier, um, we already know that 15 counties, only 15 out of 47, account for 80% of maternal deaths in Kenya. If you focused on those alone, then it means that you change the worst 15 or the worst 10, then you change the whole country because the burden is not shared equally across the country. And that is our strategy. And I love that description because there's such a pressure in the development sector to scale broad as opposed to going deeper, you know, where the burden is. And that model that you have had for so many years, I think is is so critical because that's right. You know, the, the, the interventions that are partially working where you've invested in that government infrastructure, where you've built that evidence base of being able to improve quality over time. I believe we should be doubling down in those areas, not then asking the wallet to go start a new country or start in a new county, but really yeah. make as much impact as, as you can building on the infrastructure you've been building. Yeah, but that is not to say that you should not go national scale, for example. I know change is political, so we also need to work at policy level so that even as we are making the efforts down here, the policy environment is enabling enough for that change to happen. And so that is the reason why for Luala, for example, we are 
deeply engaged with the National Ministry of Health, where we are using the lessons that we've learned in Migori, in working with communities there, be able to inform national policy. Earlier on, I talked, for example, about the work we are doing, technologies that we are, we are employing in supporting public health facilities. The case of one of those is what we do with, in managing obstetric hemorrhage. This is bleeding, excessive bleeding after birth. And I mean, this is the number one killer of women in our areas. And so took up a technology, a simple technology that helps in managing this together with training. It's called the non-pneumatic anti-shock garment. And started deploying that in Migori. And we saw so much success. Right now, Migori is having over 200 facilities with the garment deployed, which means that if a woman was to go into shock, they can actually be able to get this life-saving device as they look for advanced care. Now, Having done that and seen what was possible in Migori, we engaged the National Ministry of Health to see how this can be mainstreamed in policy so that other people can actually be able to use it. And we've succeeded in ensuring that the Magistry Obstetric Care Guidelines now has the non-pneumatic anti-stock garment. Our new Reproductive Health Policy 2030 recognizes the anti-shock garment as a strategic commodity for maternal and maternal neonatal health. And then we are now moving to see how government can be able to avail budgets for this commodity to be made available. And so the essence of it is really to ensure that even as we are succeeding locally, whatever we are learning can inform national policy. At the same time, what is happening at policy level can get to be implemented on the ground. So it's going full circle. And I think that is what we should, when we're talking about scale, we should be thinking about not just diametrically going broad, but how are you changing the system in which that change is happening so that it can be able to bolster the change we have created or even open opportunities for places that you might not be. I Completely love that model of, of proving it, you know, deep and what is possible and then doing that advocacy at the national level. And the Walla doesn't just do that advocacy at the national level. They're a major advocate for community health workers globally as part of the Community Health Impact Coalition. One of the really interesting models I'd love to hear is the last question. The Walla has been able to successfully partner with the government to support workers that are part of the Walla community workforce to do even more than the standard job that the government's defined for a community healthcare worker, quite successfully shown how much more capacity, capability, and service delivery capacity there really is in this workforce and been able to pay them for that additional work that they're doing as part of your model and, and worked in partnership with the government to acknowledge that capability. So I'd love to hear how has that partnership worked and how might that scale to really unlock the full potential of this workforce and support them to be paid more as they deserve. Yeah, let me go back a little bit uh, to start with how all that started. It started with, of course, we were working or training, professionalizing community health workers, but they still depended on paper record keeping. Now, the problem with paper record keeping is that, number one, the tools are very bulky. So even moving from place to place with those books is very cumbersome. They are not available, so it means that a number of community health workers go about their work 
without the necessary tools. These registers or the tools themselves, if they are paper-based, it means that you cannot be nimble enough to change them to adapt to new issues or new needs that might arise. So with all this, we started thinking about how do we digitize? And then we were interested in the individual tracking in a way that you can actually be able to see the changes that are happening at household level. So the first step that we had was to see if we can build a database of our clients that then as the community health workers do their work using paper forms, then they can be able to, we will sit back. We will fill the, the database with that. And we did that for some time, but it was apparent that any time that the most current data we had was a month or two behind because the community health workers are working for a month then they submit the reports, then the reports get uploaded into Salesforce. And then we started looking for a solution that would enable us to make this happen more quickly. And that's how Comcare came to be, that we were able to find a tool that we could quickly adapt, use it to mirror the Ministry of Health tools or the indicators that we are tracking, and then to be able to integrate that with Salesforce so that it can be able to push data more easily. And that was transformative. It was transformative in the sense that then we're having most current data, then we're having very clear view of what our client base looks like. And then we're able now to community health worker better organize it, knowing which clients are in what status, because they are now technology enabled. They would know households that are due for visits. They would know households that are priority because the system had been set to be able to do that. And as we went on with this, conversations were also happening nationally in trying to address the need for an electronic system for reporting by community health workers. So a landscape analysis was done and a few solutions, including Comcare, was identified through the work that we had done with, with Comcare in Luala as having the minimum system requirements that could actually grow into this digital system. So anyway, it did inform the design of this. And I think where the country is right now is looking at a system that can be used more broadly, not just in Migori, but in Kenya as a whole. And I think that uh, people like the Magi have a role to play, thinking about, you know, health as a global good and thinking of ways in which some of these things can be made available, available to countries like ours and Yemen deliver better health. Thank you so much, Julius. In part two of this two-part series, you'll be hearing from three community health workers supported by Lawala Community Alliance. You'll hear how they got into community health, what a typical day looks like, the challenges and joys of their work, and what messages they'd like you, dear listener, to hear. Before we wrap, I'll share a couple takeaways from what I learned from Julius. Julius describes Luala's community-led health model, which is built on the idea that communities self-organizing can create solutions to their challenges. He describes the four pillars of this model. One, community committees. Two, professionalized community health workers within those communities. Three, working to improve primary health care quality at health facilities. And four, data and generating evidence that the model is working. Luala is focused on reducing maternal and under five deaths and has taken a strategy that prioritizes the counties with the largest burden of these health challenges. One key element that Julius talks about 
is the role of technology in really enabling the community health workers that Luwala supports. He describes the physical burden on community health workers of using paper to do their work. And with that, he shares the transformative role that technology has had to enable the community health workers they support to become more nimble and agile and both deliver better services as well as ensure that data is flowing for better decision-making. Luwala is using Comcare by Demangi, and they are also part of a national effort to create a government-owned electronic community health information system to be used by CHWs across the country. Lastly, there's incredible wisdom in the approach that Julius described of going deep and delivering more services to communities most in need, collecting the data to create an evidence base of what works and doesn't, and then working to advocate for broader change based on those learnings. That's our show. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and share this episode if you found it useful. It really helps us grow our impact. And write to us, as always, at podcast at with your ideas, comments, or feedback. This show is executive produced by myself. Danielle Van Wick is our producer. Brianna DeRoos is our editor. And cover art is by Sudan Chukant. Thank you.